Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. All right, so today we got Billy Yarbrough. Um, Please correct me on your last name. Yarbrough. Yeah, you got it. Close okay. enough. All right. So Yarbrough is how I used to say it, but I know uh, that, that that pronunciation is kind of crazy. Uh, a 2010 senior, right? Um, senior season 2010, yep. Senior season. Yep. And a 2011 grad. D lineman. This guy, I'm going to say it up front. This guy was one of the smaller, skinniest guys. And I'm not saying skinny because skinny but uh like you wouldn't recognize this guy against notre dame on a on the d line all right so he's definitely one of the undersized one of the biggest hearts raised in ridgeway south carolina um and i think this probably has a little bit to do with like how you were on the d line as a as a smaller guy overall was you grew up digging post holes for work as a kid, yeah, right. First job right down the road from me was a was a gentleman I used to call Mr. Ross, and uh, and just a, a good old country man that uh, you know spent the better part of my time living there, growing up, building his own barn, which he then lived in while he built his own house. He and he and his wife lived there, and and I was looking for for a little bit of scratch on the side, a little change as a as a youngster and yeah. rode down on their on my bike to uh, to Mr. Ross's house and banged on the door and asked him if he needed some help and he put me to work uh, but digging post holes out in the out in the South Carolina heat uh, was something else but taught me about hard work paid me in cash gave me a Wendy's hamburger at lunchtime and uh, one of the best jobs I ever awesome. had yeah, yeah uh, I still keep in touch with one of my uh, best friends from um, best friend's dad from back home. <clears throat> And uh, I'll never forget this guy. We used to dig post holes, right? So uh, he was a he was a cattle guy. So uh, you became a Marine Corps infantry officer post graduation. Did some Navy football uh, GA time um, in the military. We call it TAD time, but graduate assistant type of role. And then you know did your time in the Marine Corps infantry and transitioned to VP of consumer banking for city. Um, now regional vice president for sales at Encino, um, living in William, Williamton, North Carolina. Wilmington, uh, yep, like Wilmington, North Carolina, right outside, uh, not too far away from Camp Lejeune on the southeastern part of the state. Nice, how's your water? beautiful out here man i you know it's it's funny because i you know i'm from south carolina originally but not on the coast um and you know spent my time you know went to annapolis i guess we're on the water there but but during my time in the marine corps as being the amphibious force we're generally near water i was never stationed near the water because i was out there in 29 palms uh for for most of my time and then i spent time in richmond virginia 
Yeah. So this is like my first opportunity to live near the beach, live near the water. So it's, uh, it's been, it's been nice uh, to get out there and have access were, to something like that. You were one of those, uh, desert lizards. That's right. So. man. it was the grunts paradise. <laughs> uh, uh, good hobbies, hunting, fishing, golf, sports, barbecue, and coaching your son's flag football team. Uh, no better honor than, than something like that. So, um, awesome intro for you now, now to memory. So I got quite a few and I thought about trimming these down, um, to try and like, you know, save some time, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to go okay. straight into them verbatim for the most part for, so Trey Grissom and there's some themes throughout these and I've highlighted the themes. He had a relentless motor. So that's one of the themes. Always fired up, Mason Graham. Funny memory. Uh, Billy could quote the entire movie of Remember the Titans. Yeah, man. I still to this day get people that uh, that give me a hard time about, uh, about movie quotes, even at work or or elsewhere. It's something about it just locks in, especially a classic, a classic movie like Remember the Titans that we all grew up in and our grew up on in our age group and. Uh, you know, being a football player, that's just one of the, uh, you know, the staples of, of cinema that I enjoyed. But, yeah, being able to quote all the lines and would try to slip those in there every once in a while at a time that maybe it was supposed to be a little bit more serious or tense situation and slip that in or, or if we're just goofing around. But, but, yeah, I had that movie locked in, uh, something I need to kind of bring back with my kids and, and see if they enjoy it as much as I used to. Right. It's funny how you, when you grow up and you watch this movie a long time ago, how when you watch it later, it, you, you see it in a different lens, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. For sure. All right. Um, so continuing on, um, I remember walking through the locker room or being on the bus and hearing that never-ending rem Remember the Titans thing. <laughs> uh, you know, a value out of you. Um Billy was one of the last mean D lineman mentality. Nasty, undersized, tough. And those guys found a way uh, to make things difficult for everyone we played. And there's no doubt about that. Like that is up front Navy defense, which is, you know, pretty much like a, a pillar, you know, um, you always used to say, you know, play one. I would know if I could whip this guy's tail uh, all game or if it was going to be a long night for me. Uh, he told me he used to <laughs> he used to talk trash every play. Yeah, constantly. Constantly, <laughs> man. It was, you know, and it's, I guess, you know, kind of the, the general theme there is that I kind of had a nasty, nasty disposition and you know, practice field, game field. And a lot of it goes back to what you started with, with being an undersized guy. Uh, you know, growing, I kind of had to be that way, um, or at least I felt I did. Probably a little bit of insecurity there on my end of being the insecure or the, uh, the undersized guy uh, on a sure. defensive line, lining up against guys that, at least at the collegiate level, that are, you know, sometimes north of 100 pounds more than me. Uh, you know, I was, Dude, you know, maybe or, not, maybe not by 150. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, those guys are huge, especially, you know, my senior year, I got a little bit bigger, but, uh, 
but yeah, the, the early days when I was 220 pounds as a defensive end and then slowly creep up to 240 and think I've, I've put on a little weight and I've got some muscle behind me. Uh, it still didn't matter when you're going against somebody like, uh, like Ohio state or Notre Dame or, or, or Pitt or some of these other ones with these just hog molly defense or offense alignment. So anyway, uh, you know, that, that likely contributed to, I had to get an edge somewhere. Um, and I had to earn my sure. respect and, uh, and, and, and be seen as, as not a pushover and, and it worked to my advantage. I think I had a knack for getting in people's heads, uh, you, know, you know, whether that's that's guys in the team or it's uh, our opponents on the field. But, but like I said, probably some level of insecurity there, but also just a mentality that I figured I needed to have if if I wanted to be on the field with uh, with the guys that shared a lot of that same mentality uh, on the defensive side of the ball at Navy football. Awesome. Um, last one from. Mason was, uh, you know, those guys were a different type of breed, and I think Billy was one of the last of them. So uh, next one, Mike Shoop. And here's the theme, Billy's motor. I think Trey said that too. Uh, was the epitome of what it means to play Navy football. He would always find a way to dig up the, you know, the most critical points of the game, come up with a sack or a breakup, a you know, pass breakup. The guy was relentless theme. Um, he just wanted it more. Although, you know, Billy's motor couldn't withstand the heat of Duke in 2008. <laughs> uh, and he said, I'm pretty sure half the team, like, yeah, a lot of guys got a IVs. I wish I could count them. I'm, I'm going to ballpark an eight. Uh, eight people got IVs at that game. But, um, you know, always I always thankful to have Billy as a. You were one of them. Nice. Yeah, heck yeah, man. That was a um, uh, that was a that was a nuts. I've heard, I've heard you talk about that game on the podcast before. It was uh, what a, what a memory that was. So, what do you remember about that whole setup? Because I think, like as a organization, yeah, the Duke setup, put the it setup to us. itself was. Uh, you know, if you're talking about like the field house that they had us in, um, I don't know how far away it felt like, <laughs> I don't know. It felt like a mile at the time. It was probably a lot less than that, but they had us in that, that, that separate field house all across the way, thousand degrees out there. It felt like high humidity crammed into that little tiny locker room. Um, and that was just kind of the, that was like our first introduction to, okay, this is where we're, we're setting up camp today. And, um, and I remember distinctly that there was guys cramping up in pregame warmups. Like I, I remember like being, being yeah. shocked by the fact that guys were going down before we even had a snap. Um, and so, and it was gonna be a long day. I think I, so I used to that year, I think it was, what year was that? Was that the 08 season? Yeah, it was the 08 season. So I was a I sophomore. So. Yep. Yeah. I, I was a sophomore and I was, I played every game um, at defensive end, but I, I started on all the special teams, almost all of them at least. And so I played all the special team snaps and maybe like 12 defensive snaps and, you know, had my first sack. It was a big moment. I was from the Carolinas, so it was a big one. But getting an IV and like carted back to the locker room to get that IV will always stick with me as, as something I can't forget. Um, playing so like, you know, there's guys out there like Mike Walsh that are putting in, you know, 100 snaps or something like that. And here I am, this this young kid that you know played special teams and like a dozen defensive snaps, getting an IV. 
Yeah, I remember uh, you know Jeff Deliz getting one too, and he was a he was definitely a, a, a playmaker in that game. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another thing from uh, Mike Shoup was um, your great sense of humor off the field made for the perfect locker room guy. And when I read that, I think, you know, the perfect, like, hey, keep it real type of guy. So, yeah. Um, I mean, next one, Donnie Bowers. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, again, it's it's kind of go back to the movie quote thing earlier. Um, Maybe not always the best timing for for a joke here and there, uh, but you know, we had such a great group of guys. It was hard not to kid around with them. And, and I'm glad we had such a funny group of guys to, to hang around with because we spent a lot of time together. Yeah, no doubt. Got to keep it light, right? Um, Donnie Bowers. I remember Billy being so intense before games. He would do uh, this bull in the ring thing before we would even take the field. Just outside the tunnel behind the end zone. And one game, I was one of the fortunate people to receive that hit from him. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, he, he hit me so hard I could have sworn I got a concussion before taking the field. Uh, just, you know, so, you know, you're a contributor to uh, Donnie's CTE one day. <laughs> just remember that. Uh, <laughs> just one of those dudes that I'm glad he was on my side. So, yeah, you know, going to that, that bull in the ring thing, I remember that as, you know, it's obviously a way that I always like to, to get people fired up before the game um, and knock some of the cobwebs out and just, you know, like we always did. I think you, I remember seeing you in there too. I would always do that with, with you. I would do it with others, especially when I became a senior and, and uh, you know, was out there as, as I feel like one of the leaders on the, on the team, I wanted to take it upon myself to make sure that we were just mentally locked in. But what I will say is I needed that probably more than, than I feel like, you know, my teammates needed it. We didn't need anybody. They didn't, nobody on the team needed me to fire them up to get ready for a game. We were always fired up, but uh, you know, maybe that was my way of, of getting myself locked in for the game and, and depending on my brothers on the team to, to help me there. And everybody was always willing. There was always the the regulars that would show up in there in the in the circle. Gosh, me and Mike Walsh butted heads quite a bit in that uh, that little mosh oh my pit. Gosh. And, yeah, uh, yeah, over the years, have a couple <laughs> concussions from that. Yeah, I mean, just from pregame alone, we did me and Nishak and, and and Walsh and and others. But but yeah, that was it. Was just became a ritual. And uh, you know what? I didn't have to go out on the field and and wait for my first hit of the game. I had already gotten a few out of my system before we locked horns with the other squad. True. No, I, I feel you on that. You got to kind of, it's a way of getting the distractions out of the way. Um, I think in that, at least for me. So, uh, next one, Jason Wright. And this is kind of a long one. So bear with me. Billy is the definition of loyalty. So I thought that was cool. Uh, I think the the themes already go there, but uh, he's the guy you need in your circle of trust. Uh, through thick and thin, he's not only you know consistent and stands by your side, but once you're in his circle of trust, he stands by you and your family's side. So um, 
that's that's really important and uh, i think that's an awesome memory it's probably it's my favorite so far one of the um, i mean those are those are powerful words man and then i it's it's humbling to hear this kind of stuff because i was surrounded by such great guys all the time, much better men than i am i mean certainly better athletes than i am or ever was i'm not an athlete anymore but uh um it's you know how lucky we are to have shared a locker room and shared uh you know a significant part of our lives together with with this group of men and um you know like i said it's it's humbling to hear those memories i i share the same feelings about uh about all these guys um you know, there's, there's nobody I would want to, uh, you know, to have in my corner, um, in any situation in life. And I think that we, we form strong bonds over the course of our time together, short at the Academy, but, but long lasting. Um, so it's, 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 it's nice to hear that kind of stuff. But again, it's, it's just being surrounded by such great men to, to, uh, it kind of brings your level of expectations up for yourself and, and what others demand of you, uh, becomes a lot more clear. Um, so it's, just nice words, good men, good men, and, and humbling. Awesome. Um, so he said, the night before my wedding, we were at a bar in downtown Annapolis, Castle Bay, and uh, Tyler Simmons' sister walked by, you know, mind her own business, and Billy overheard a guy say, who is that person? <laughs> um, person. And uh, without hesitation, Billy stood up, went nose to nose with this guy and put him in his place. Billy immediately showed the guy the door, threw him out of the bar. Uh, he is the one I always count on, no matter the circumstances. So, um, you know, the trustworthiness is unparalleled. He never lets any friends or family down. Loyalty isn't just a word for him. It's a way of life. Uh, in good times and bad, you know, we're... We're all grateful to, to have a steadfast and devoted friend in our quarter. Um, during the team prayer before a football game, he was already <laughs> asking God for forgiveness for his intention on the other team to suffer on purpose. So uh, <laughs> I thought that it was cool, too. That one, yeah, I figured that one might come up because uh, <laughs> I used to... <laughs> You know, the, I think Zerb Singleton did a, you know, at least when I was a, a freshman at the academy, he always did such a, he gave such a powerful prayer on a regular basis in the locker room. And, um, you know, and that was a moment that we all got to share together before leaving the locker room for the last time before we go and, and, and get after it for a few hours. Um, and I, yeah, I just started, do, I don't know what, I don't know why I started doing that, but it, it just kind of came to me one day and it's like, hey, you know what, I need to probably do that every week. And, and I did. And, uh, but yeah, I, I figured that might come up as one of the memories. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, now for the longest time, I thought Billy was the toughest man I knew, but then I met his wife. Uh, and I tested this theory when I got to, you know, do the whole sword thing and smack her on the way out of that whole marriage thing. Um, uh, I hit her so hard that the beads from her dress went flying, the sword shook, and my hands hurt from the impact. Uh, I'm pretty sure it left a whelp on, you know, on on her for weeks, but she didn't even flinch. Uh, she just stood and laughed, didn't phase her. So, 
tough. That's the tough. last. One. Yeah, I do remember that? That that was that was uh, quite the memory that my wife still talks about. So, gotcha. Last one, and then I can turn it over to you. I know this is where we had, uh, you know, about the thirty minute mark. So, pretty pretty robust memory section. Um, Tyler Simmons. Before every game, when the linebackers would make their way to the field, Billy and I would find each other and smash our helmets uh, together a couple times. You know, that, that came up already. Uh, I dreaded it every time. <laughs> but it got me ready to play. He's one of the most hard-nosed players i played with. So that's it. I, yeah, with Tyler, man, it's uh, Tyler's one of my closest friends. Uh, one of the toughest people you'll ever meet. Um, <laughs> we both hit pretty dang hard, I guess, on a regular basis. And so, you know, us coming up to each other, there's probably some level of fear in mind, my mind too. It was like, oh gosh, here we go. But we both understood that it had to be done. It had to be done before we got started uh, with this with this game. And uh, <laughs> I always appreciated that he never backed down from it. I know he knew... He should have known if he doesn't, he, he should know now that I needed that. Uh, as much as I felt that everybody else needed to kind of wake up, I certainly needed it too. And Tyler was a big help. Um, just one of the toughest guys, one of the best athletes on the team, uh, one of the hardest workers, um, you know, will do anything, do anything for you kind of guy. Uh, I know you shared the, you shared yeah. the film room with him and shared the back, uh, the, the defensive backfield with him as well. And I know you feel the same. Tyler's just uh, one of those rare individuals that not everybody is lucky enough to to know, much less play with, uh, you know, during college football. So, but yeah, uh, I, I I learned more from that guy than than I could probably ever tell him. But um, he's a good man. Awesome. Well, help, help help me get him on here. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> nice. All right. So, tell us the the story, man. Tell us your story and uh, start as far back as you can. Yeah, you know, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but growing up in small town, South Carolina, uh, you know, our address was Ridgeway. We kind of were right on the border of Fairfield County and and uh, in Richland County. Uh, my mom was a school teacher, so she taught in in Richland County, South Carolina, which what which was what allowed me to uh, to go to school over there. So I went to high school about I don't know twenty minutes away. Uh, grew up in the sticks, though. I mean, where our house was, uh, my friends used to always give me a hard time about how far out in the country we were and, um, you know, taking dirt roads to get to our property and and, and things like that. So, um, but yeah, I, I didn't appreciate it for what it was back then. You know, you're not in the, the neighborhood where you can ride a bike down to your buddy's house. But, um, you know, so that part I was always kind of jealous of my friends were. But a really great place to to grow up, uh, given that I could go out in my back porch and, and shoot guns anytime I wanted to, or climb up in a tree and look for deer, uh, squirrel hunt, things like that. Um, had space to do all that kind of things out there, and um, really appreciative. Of, did you grow up? On? Oh man, it wasn't a big patch of ground. We had about five acres, four and a half, five acres yeah. out there. Five, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's the it was the perfect amount for as a kid, five, four and a half, five acres is, I mean, Making that's forts. an entire, yeah, yeah, man, that's an entire continent to you. You know, you, you, there was, it was limitless. Um, we could do a lot of things. So like whenever I did have friends come out there, we would do things that we weren't able to do in the subdivisions where they lived. Like, uh, 
you know, like we play manhunt or something like that in the middle of the night uh, with flashlights and, and, uh, and go out there, like I said, and I could, you can, we can hunt on our property or the properties nearby, uh, things like that, but <clears throat> just a really great place to grow up. But yeah, um, had brothers older and younger, um, and, and just grew up loving sports, um, had a great family. Uh, my dad, like I said, my mom was a teacher. My dad, uh, blue collar guy, uh, worked his whole life, uh, worked hard his whole life, worked multiple jobs, was a second shift guy, um, you know, for a lot of my time growing up and, um, you know, oftentimes he was, he was, you know, getting home well after everybody went to sleep or, uh, and maybe sometimes during the day he was putting himself through school, getting an associate's degree or, or what have you, um, just a hard. Can I ask more about that whole second shift thing? Because, you know, being in manufacturing, like second shift, um, I don't think it's the hardest boat to fill. I think third is the hardest. Mm-hmm. But second shift definitely has a like a special thing about them. Like, what do you remember about your dad when he would work those second shifts? Because I mean, the family works the first, but when dad works the second, it probably takes a little bit of you know extra effort. I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, it definitely put a toll on him. Yeah, and it was. It's not so much that he would let it be known to us. But how could you not notice that a man is is as tired as he is, you know, getting off those late hours and uh, and coming home and having to throw something in the microwave at midnight um, in order to just get something to eat and and then wake up early the next day. I mean, there was times where he was working two jobs. Um, so there was the second shift is only part of his day uh, or, or like yeah. I said, going to school during the day or something like that to, to help support his family. Um, you know, my dad would. He worked hard and he didn't really take a lot of time off for himself. Now, when he did, he, we, you know, we had a lot of great times uh, as a family and doing a lot of things together. Uh, but when even when he was home, he was working. You know, he we had a garden, like a, a big garden that we had a lot of land again. So he was always out kind of tilling the ground up to to plant uh, some vegetables for us to eat. Or he was over in his shop tinkering around with something or working on his truck or something of that nature. Um, just a hard nosed guy. And I think that's where I got a lot of, you know, some of the things that were described by my, my, my buddies there, just kind of tenacity and hard nose, uh, you know, mindset came from my dad. And, um, uh, you know, he was a defensive lineman in his own right and a good one. And, uh, you know, probably something that contributed to my, uh, my upbringing as well. But, but yeah, he was a, he was a tough man. And um, I, I looked up to him quite a bit. Awesome. Sorry to cut you off, but I had to ask. So no, keep, no, keep that's, that's that's all good. It's always <laughs> always good for me to talk about my dad. I like I like doing that. So yeah. Anyway, I, um, I gotta go ahead. Gotta pry into the things that catch my interest. So that yeah, one, for that sure. One caught me. Go for it, man. Anytime. Um, but yeah, grew up uh, just doing that. It was kind of like my childhood and what I did. Uh, not a big, uh, not a huge social life. I have a small group of friends. Um, uh, that I that I still remain in contact with today, and and, and great friends, but not a huge circle of friends. Uh, just a, you know, I I, I chose my friends, uh, you know, pretty selectively, and I focused because I had things that I focused on. When I got to high school, I guess I had like three main goals. Um, you know, for my whole life, I wanted to be a Marine, so that was one goal. Um, nice. And then, and and two of the other goals, I wanted to go to college, and I wanted to play football football in college. So when the Naval Academy came around, that was. Uh, 
sort of my time to uh, put it all together and say, hey, this is the complete package of what I was looking for here. And um, uh, I was lucky enough for them to give me a shot. Again, I was that guy that was, oh gosh, in high school, was tall. I was always a tall guy. I'm 6'5", um, and I hit that height somewhere mid mid high school and just stopped growing. But I was a string bean, man. I was like, you think I was skinny at the academy. I was like a buck 90 in high school. Um, you know, soaking wet and, you know, if I would always, got yeah, up always to like, like what, 240. Oh gosh. Senior year, man. I, I got to preseason, you know, you lose a lot during the season, but I think that the top of my scale that I saw was like 262. Um, by the time nice. I was seeing you were already, you were gone by that point, but that's impressive. That off season. Yeah. That off season between, uh, between junior and senior year at the Academy, a lot of things started to come together. Uh, I'll talk about it Where later. Oh man, I'm down to in the two thirties, the low two thirties now, uh, which is what I like to be at. Nice. You know, if I every once in a while I'll get down to like two twenty five, and I think that's a good way for me. But it's like my body has decided that hey, you spent decades trying to put on weight and pack it on as much as you can, and now you're trying to take it off. And we're like, it's not that easy. I'm not. I'm not going back to one ninety uh, ever again. Uh, I don't yeah. think so. So, but anyway, yeah, that was. Uh, for me to grow up and being, you know, on the defensive line in high school and, and being pretty good. Um, thankfully I was not a good athlete. I don't think, I don't think I was the best athlete, but I was the guy that just, you know, just had a motor, you know, one of those guys that was just, uh, always, you know, kind of the hustle guy. So that contributed to a lot of my success on the football field, uh, that made up for some of my inability on the, the athletic side, uh, on the measurables, I guess. Um, and, recipe for success for navy football that's what they look for is like the guys that eat, like even if you don't have the yeah. uh you know the 40 time or the or, or what have you the vertical jump or the the height and weight they're looking for they look for something yeah. else sort of those intangibles and i think that's you know that's what uh that's what gave at the time brian bohannon uh reason enough to give me a shout and uh and offer me the chance to come nice. play for navy yeah the uh the whole scouting thing needs to invent a column for scrappiness. So <laughs> you probably had the, you know, a 10 out of 10 stars for scrappiness. Get scrappy. Yeah. I would say that, uh, that's, yeah, I, uh, there's, there's one game that, that I recall where that kind of came to a head. Um, my, our junior, my junior year, your senior year, it was my first ever start. And, uh, um, there was a there was an incident at Northern Illinois. I got a it was a, a personal foul penalty that that was my one and only probably my one and only penalty my whole time being at the academy. Um, there was some things that they probably could have called penalties on that I didn't get called for, but uh, that one and only personal foul penalty, and I got pulled out of that game. Not tossed out by the referees, pulled out by Coach Nehemiah and Coach Green, um, and, and and caught an earful for that. But but yeah, that's where the scrappiness came well, to a point where it turned a, into a negative. It wasn't a penalty; it was a learning. So you learned, right? Yeah. So I guess I, I learned at that point is like it, it became to the point where, you know, the relentlessness uh, and the tenacity and the uh, the aggression and all that, that's that's good stuff to have. But you got to be able to control that in a way that is positive for the outcome of what the overall team is trying to achieve here. You know, we still have to have the objective in mind and and you can't make selfish mistakes that are going to you know, cost the people that are trying so hard to achieve its goal. And we had a shutout in that game. Luckily, we didn't lose the shutout, but they were driving, um, you know, and I think might have been in our territory at that point. And, um, you know, that 15 yards put them ever closer to the end zone. 
And uh, gosh, I would have been gutted if I was already gutted, but I would have been really gutted if they had, they had scored um, on that drive and, and blown the shutout um, on my account. Um, luckily, we preserved the shutout and, and all was OK. And we went into Army the next week and shut them out, too, I believe. So um, it was it was two back to backs. But that really would have bummed me out if, <laughs> if I had cost us that. Yeah, no, I got you. Had a couple of the same thing at some point for sure. But we learn and we go on, right? So, uh, all right, I can't remember exactly where we left off on your story. But, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I was uh, I was talking about, so like, you know, kind of growing up and, and, and finding my way to the Naval Academy. Again, I had those three goals in mind and, and, and was lucky enough, fortunate enough to be afforded the opportunity to go there. Of course, they sent me to naps because I was that skinny kid um, and, you know, grades were good and everything. But, you know, I think going there and getting that extra year of, of academic help was uh, was needed for all of us before going into what we what we soon realized was a firestorm of academics at the academy. But but certainly wanted to get another year of football under my belt and put on some weight. And um, you were a napster, were you not, Tony, or or did you did you go to I naps? Did. Yeah. Did you yeah, ever go to so, the castle? You know what the castle is? Yeah. Uh, no, remind me if I, maybe I do. No, I don't know. There was, it was a park and it had this really cool looking castle thing. And that's where we went on the weekends to. Oh, treat I beer. didn't go very far on the weekends, man, to be honest with you. I was, uh, again, you know, being out already having a small group of friends growing up. I, I didn't probably, I made some really close friends in the barracks and in the football team and everything else, but I don't know. Wasn't a social dude back then. I mean, we're 18 also. 18 and in Newport, Rhode Island, there wasn't, at least from my experience, there wasn't that much for us to do, um, you know, but, but anyway, no, yeah, I went up there and got on coach, uh, coach Browse's uh, weight program, the first real collegiate weight program. And that's where the weight started to, to pile on and, and shoot, I think I gained weight during the, um, you know, whatever it is, the indoc thing, the little mini plebe summer that they put us through and, and it just started blowing really? up from there, man. Yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I found nice. that, you know, I was so scared to death of losing weight during that pro, during that time because I was already skinny that when we would go to the chow hall during those little times that they would give us to eat, I would scarf as much food as I could, as fast as I could, um, and get as much as I possibly could into my system. And then I remember they allowed us to go, I don't know why, randomly they allowed us to go to the scales at one point during the end, and I stepped on and saw that I put on like 12 pounds or something like that. I was like, thank goodness for that because nice. i can't start this Good football season even more <laughs> undersized yeah man that was my uh my start to uh the collegiate ball i mean i and that was you know again it's still more of that chip on your shoulder hey i'm still the skinny guy there was big dudes that um that we recruited and and the naps class that we had had some studs um we had some really good players there um you know, we lost a lot, unfortunately, and like the first day, you know, that just quit and just weren't cut out for uh, for that lifestyle. Um, and probably some really good athletes that would have benefited the team to have them around, but just weren't of that same mindset that we've been describing um, over the last, uh, you know, the last several minutes here and and lost them. But anyway, we had a, we had a good group of guys on the defense, especially uh, we, we were able to retain a lot of those guys for that year and had to earn my spot all over again, you know, high school to, to college ball. It's uh it's, it's a, it's a even at the prep school level, you're still playing against these junior colleges where these guys are, are four and five star guys that are trying to get recruited to some of the big programs out there in the world. So 
playing against them every Saturday was was definitely something that I was not accustomed to and had to learn pretty quickly on. You find yourself at the academy. How'd that go? How was that experience for you? Yeah, first, I, you know, the the first look at it was was transitioning from the you know going from Naps to to the academy. I was lucky enough to spend some time when we got that trip from Rhode Island down to Annapolis, and I got to spend time with Jordan Stevens and being his roommate. I think actually it was him and Kyle Bookout, but Jordan was like my my main guy, uh, my little mentor to to follow around, and he kept a good eye on me, and um, <clears throat> it it made me kind of realized that I was stepping into a place that was going to be really tough, but there was going to be good men around me. There was going to be good people around me. Um, and, and, and it was true it, that held up, you know, when I came back for that, for that freshman year, obviously I knew a lot of people from naps, but I met a lot of people that, you know, that came direct, um, that were much better athletes. That's why they were able to go direct and, uh, and a lot smarter than me, uh, which isn't saying much, um, but but just a lot of really really good people to be surrounded by, and um, that held up. You know, it, it was it was it, there was always a sense of having to prove myself around the people that we were lucky enough to play with and 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 ultimately serve with. Um, and I think that made me a better person, a better man. Um, you know, made my time through the academy a lot easier to know that I had uh, such a tight knit tight knit group of brothers around me at all the times. Uh, you know, the good times and bad. Um, and, uh, you know, had some really good times in the field. We were very successful. Uh, you and I shared most of our time together there and we enjoyed the good years in Navy football. And, and, um, and then, you know, again, we all kind of went a similar path following graduation too. So, um, but even up to that point, I think that I just learned a lot of good lessons along the way, just based on the, the, the great amount of people that were surrounding me and, and showing me the, the right way to do things. So learned a great amount of, uh, of, you know, I, I got a lot of values, out of out of that time in the academy that kind of helped shape my value system overall and uh and that translated really well into ultimately going to the marine corps gotcha uh, so going to the marine corps you went to tbs the six month long thing that everybody you know trains to be a rifleman and you get to do your service selection how'd that work for you with the yeah service the thirds and selection? All that. yeah so I was, um, so like I said, I always wanted to be a Marine growing up. I was, you know, from being a little kid, you know, pre 9-11, I knew I wanted to go into the military and, and specifically into the Marines, something about the, uh, the commercial slaying the dragon or something like that must have gotten to you know, me. the Certainly. Marines are the only service not hurting for recruits right now. Heck yeah, man. And all I, the other services. Yeah. And I spent <laughs> time as a, uh, I spent time you know, as a, Israel as, as going a, on. So. You're not kidding. I spent time as an officer recruiter at the tail end of my time in the in the Marines too, and and we always hit our number, man. And and that's what got me into sales too. I'll get to that later. But uh, but yeah, man, I always wanted to be a Marine, and to me, in my mind, that's what Marines were. We're infantry guys. You know, that's the only thing you really know about as a kid. You think about the guy when you're in the in the woods playing army growing up. Um, you know, yeah, you just think about that. Or if you're a, an adult watching the Pacific, or <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. <laughs> I just that's, that's all you really watch that. And I was all, like, oh, yeah, I watched it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually watching Band of Brothers right now. Somehow, <laughs> I'm watching Band of nice. Brothers right now too. So we're kind of going through the same thing. But but no, that's just what you dream of as a little kid. And I just I ne that dream never left me. Um, I always wanted to do that. And um, like I said, the blood stripe of the uniform and 
and uh, the dress blues that, that all just kind of got me hook, line and sinker. It was like, they, those guys just looked the sharpest. Um, they, they just, they looked like the toughest guys. I wanted, I saw myself as that. So I wanted to be that. And um, so that was Marine Corps in general. And then a subset of that is the infantry uh, going into TBS. You remember those days, it was always just yeah, a yeah. ton of infantry instructors. Uh, you're there to learn about infantry tactics, <laughs> small unit tactics. And, um, you know, it's kind of just pushed into you. It's like, well, that's the only thing I really am interested in. I put some other things down there, but that was the main thing I wanted to do. My SPC or staff platoon commander, um, which is our like lead instructor during your time at the basic school was, was also an infantry Marine. And, um, it's, it's not that he didn't give me a choice, but he didn't really give me a choice. He's, you know, he, he just kind of made it known that that was kind of the mentality that I was, that was uh, that I had and that, that it would set me up well for the infantry. And I agreed, um, yeah. you know, everybody has reservations. You, you spend a couple nights in the woods, uh, in the cold and the rain, and it starts to make you second guess yourself. But it, I stuck with it and ended up going that direction. 10 star uh, scrappy factor. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I think that bodes well and, and, and translates well to the infantry, but um, but yeah, ended up doing that, going right into IOC infantry officer course, which is, I think, one of the hardest things I've ever done, physically, mentally. Um, just a really, really tough school by design to um, to make sure that they're getting the best out of of the uh, the young men that are going to go lead um, other young men. Um, I say young men at the time; it was it was an all male um, infantry fighting force uh, in the Marine Corps. And, um, and yeah, they just wanted to make sure they got the most out of us. And, um, and they certainly uh, did. Per, percentage wise, like of your starting class, how do you like from the folks that actually graduated, how many percentage of that group didn't make it? I think, yeah. So at ours and, and I'm, I, th- I think I remember this correctly. And you could ask Trey Grissom if you ever have him back, cause he could verify he and I were in the same, uh, IOC class. We had some, we had some of the highest attrition rates out of the, at the time at the history of IOC. Um, attrition was also done a little bit differently back then. Uh, you could drop, I think a lot easier if you wanted to. Um, we had, high- they still have high standards. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the standards have dropped or anything like that, but, um, there was very little margin for error for getting dropped also. So I'll give it, I'll give it to you this way. Um, we lost, I would say about a quarter of the class on the first day. Um, so we have what we go through, what's called the combat endurance test. At least at that time, it was the first thing you did. They change it up every once in a while on where they sequence that into the, into the POI or the program of instruction at IOC. But, um, but at the, at the time, it was at least at that time, it was um, the very first day, very first thing you did. And I won't spoil it. It's sort of a it's one of those things that we like to remain a secret of what all is entailed uh, in that in that grueling um, several hour period out of that very first day of being an infantry officer uh, in the in the IOC program. But we lost a lot of people that very first day that just couldn't make it through, uh, either couldn't make it through and quit or didn't meet the standard and were asked to leave. And um you know, after that, you know, over the course of the two and a half, three months that the IOC program is, it's, um, I think we lost about half of our people. We ended up finishing up with about 50% of our class, uh, actually made it to graduation. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, Amen. really proud of, of making it through something like that. It was, uh, really, uh, a pivotal moment in my, my life, really not much less, you know, so my, my Marine Corps career for sure, but, but 
most certainly my life as a, um, uh, as a man. Awesome. Well, cool. So you, you go to IOC, you endure that, you learn a lot, you go to the fleet. How'd the fleet go? It was good, man. I, um, I, I got the, the runaround on where I was actually going to go. I originally had orders to, um, not far from here at Camp Lejeune, um, and was, was headed over there. I was going to join up with, uh, with Trey and some other guys at, at first battalion, ninth Marines, but my orders were changed last minute to, uh, third LAR battalion, third light armor reconnaissance battalion out in the stumps out in 29 palms that we talked about earlier. Um, so was fortunate to, to spend so the first for, for the listeners, LAR, um, think about the Pacific, uh, the guys that went in those boats that kind of, you know, made their way to the beach. It wasn't LAR, I guess at the time, but similar concept, right? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, to say that those vehicles floated was a, a, a drastic overstatement. Uh, we used to say they would swim. So, you know, they would, you know, they could, they could operate in the water, but a lot had to go right for those things to actually make it through water. They were basically up armored vehicles. You know, they had eight wheeled vehicles that, that we would, <laughs> that we would pretend were amphibious in some way, shape or form. And they've, they've now since gone and uh, done a lot of good things to the LAV community, LAR community to, uh, to make those, those, uh, those vehicles a lot, um, uh, uh, a lot better than they were at the time or even several years before I even got there. But, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate, uh, to, to be with a unit that was mechanized and, and not have to spend as much time on my feet or so I thought. And then I got to a battalion where the battalion commander, um, who is one of my mentors to this day and a guy I really, really look up to, um, at the time, Lieutenant Colonel Matt Good, um, he's now, oh gosh, he's probably up for a star at this point. I know at least a full bird. And uh, we were going to hike and hike. We did. We, we spent a lot of time on our feet and hiked all over the place. I think we, at one point we were hiking more than all of 7th Marines combined. Um, so we spent a lot of time outside of the vehicles and and uh, and, and walking everywhere we went uh, with heavy loads on our back, which I loved. That was something that, uh, again, you know, it was just really difficult, really hard, and it was drawn to that. Um, and also, I was just pretty good at hiking. I got long legs. I'm a tall guy. I'm pretty strong. I'm not gonna. I'm not the fastest runner. I'm not gonna beat you on the three mile time, but I can hike all day. Um, so that was that was something that was to my advantage. Um, so yeah, spent time out there in the desert doing that for for a few years. Um, was a platoon commander. Had the, you know, the the distinct honor of leading. Um, some young, really hungry, nasty Marines, um, uh, you know, yeah, just scrappy dudes that were, you know, that were just hard nosed guys that were very competent in their skill craft, uh, really good at what they did and cared about what they did, cared about each other, uh, cared about the mission, cared about what we were doing every day and did it. To, yeah. Man, they, these guys were, even if we're doing something that sucked, they wanted to be the best at whatever it was that we were that that sucked at the time. We wanted to be better than X platoon. Wanted to be better than than anybody else in the company or the battalion, for that matter. Um, and so I learned a lot from them. I hope that they learned some things from me and took some things away from me. But some of the most rewarding time that I spent in the Marine Corps was was during that. Gosh, it's probably over a year that I spent as a platoon commander. Um, and, you know, with those guys, it was just, yeah, I stay in touch with some of them to this day, just some of the most fulfilling time I've ever had. And, 
thankful to have spent that time with those with those men. Awesome. Well, Cole, anything else in your Marine Corps career you want to talk about before I cut over to transition? Yeah, you know, the the, the rest of my Marine Corps time was uh, was less exciting. I, I I transitioned to be the lovely company executive officer, which everybody uh, loathes that position. So I, I did my time as the company XO, and I, I became a company commander for a short stint um, before transitioning over to recruiting duty and uh, finding the next generation of, of young Marine officers uh, out of my officer recruiting station in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and that was also a very fulfilling time, uh, being able to, again, kind of mentor the next, the next generation of, uh, of, of Marine officers and, and influence them, hopefully share a little bit of my wisdom, but also be a part of that. You know, you talked about earlier, the, the, the Marines don't have a problem hitting their number, hitting their recruiting mission. Um, there's a significant reason for that. It's, it's not only the, uh, the draw that we have as an organization, we're also a pretty small force. Um, but also yep. just like the standards that we have. Um, I think that that's one thing that I think as Americans, we could probably learn a little bit from that is that people are drawn to high standards. People like yeah. a challenge. There's something about us as human beings that is drawn to challenging circumstances. And I don't think that we should go, um, the direction of, of, of lowering standards in order to accommodate for somebody that might not have that same mentality, because I think there's something primal about us that wants to be challenged yeah. from a physical and mental standpoint. And it, uh, it kind of, that goes back to that whole, uh, chimp empire. I don't know if you've watched that I have. on, uh, Netflix. I think it's Netflix, but it's the same thing. Chimps, right? <laughs> like they're humans. Like the way they think, the way they act, the way they, you know, the tribalness and um, there's two tribes in that documentary. One's a big one with a very, you know, senior, older leader. And it's very uh, centralized. Like what he says goes. But, however, Marine Corps slash smaller tribe is very decentralized in power. And like, sometimes you don't even know who's leading it. And that smaller, you know, chimp tribe is very effective against the bigger tribe. And it's, it's, it's very uh, eye opening. And like, when you watch it, they are so similar to humans. So yeah. And I would um, say that uh, I would say chimps are pretty similar to Marines. That's for sure. Uh, in more ways than one. Um, yeah, no doubt. But yeah, man. I, yeah. So that was my, you know, my, my understanding of, 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 you know, the type of person that we should have in the military. And I was, I was lucky that I was had the opportunity to kind of influence those next folks coming in and um, really enjoyed that time too. But that was about when I started to kind of think about what was next for me um, and making a decision on whether or not I wanted to get out of the, of the Marines or stay in and, and do something else. Um, and a lot went into that decision, but ultimately I, I landed on kind of hanging it up and, and transitioning out to the civilian world or back to the civilian world and, and starting that chapter in my life. Nice. What, what made you choose that? Path? You know, man, I, it was a lot. Um, so 
I accomplished what, you know, for the most part, I accomplished what I, what, you know, what I wanted to do in the Marines. Um, I always wanted to be a, you know, once I knew what it was, I wanted to be a platoon commander. I always wanted to be a Marine. Then it was like, I want to be an infantry Marine. And then, uh, you know, from there, so it's like, you wanna... itch, and then... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. um, in that point, it was like, you know, I don't really have interest in going much more senior than that. So being like a staff officer and things like that. And I knew what the next level where I would go. So if I, I put it down one day when I was deciding what I was going to do, it's like, okay, well, I know exactly the track that I'm going to go on. If I do stay in, it's pretty as an infantry officer and a lot of other career paths in Marine Corps, you can kind of map out where you're likely going to go. It's, you know, it's uh, training, then fleet, be billet, maybe a little, maybe school back to the fleet, be billet. And it's kind of like a rotation. So I knew that once I was going to get, or if I did stay in, I would go to school, I'd go to expeditionary warfare school, and then I would go back to the fleet as a company commander if I was lucky if I, uh, to have that open position to, to fill. And then probably EXO or OPSO time, and then start that whole process over again. So I knew that. So I was like, okay, but if I get out, I have no idea what's going to happen. So let me start weighing my options here. And, and, and I started to put some feelers out there, started talking to some recruiters. Again, I was a recruiter myself. So I was always at the, the college career fairs and like kind of seeing what people were looking for on the civilian side. Um, and so I just started to put feelers out there, man. And I, and I started to gain a little bit of confidence that, yeah, I can be successful on the, on the outside world as it were. And, um, and got afforded some opportunities and, and took one of them. And, um, and yeah, made my transition into financial services, which is mind blowing for me to think about as a as a knuckle dragger. Yeah. So when you made that transition, what like you you probably had some like reservation, right? Like I've always done this thing; it's worked for me. And what helped you kind of launch into that and? kind of be successful in that a lot of it was was networking and and talking with folks that have been successful and done it before me um you know and, and just i'm not a you know i'm not a i'm not a guy that has, so first of all i had a history degree so i was like what am i gonna do with a history degree uh at least at the time that's what i thought about it's like you know they say Very powerful, that, powerful <laughs> degree i think yeah i should have should have gone and been a historian i guess but uh but yeah, I was like, you know, my whole thing was, you know, go, growing up, it was my whole plan was, you know, after I finished what I wanted to do, which was college, Marine Corps, and, you know, hopefully football was mixed in there. I was going to go back and be a high school teacher and coach football. And maybe, and then I started to think maybe I'd be a college football coach. So I was like, the, the degree doesn't matter. I'll just get a history degree and, and move on. And I love history. It's, uh, it's something I'm passionate about, but didn't really think about how my degree would set me up. Or, so that was intimidating for me. I was like, hey, I'm this history guy. You know, what am I going to do with this degree? Then I started to talk to people. Ryan Hamilton, you know, good example. Um, Another one I want to get on here. So Yeah, I uh, love that guy. Um, just a, I consider him a mentor. Uh, and, you know, I spent a lot of time on the phone with him. Just And he was so generous of his time to, to spend time with me to talk about, like, hey, this is what you ought to think about. Maybe go to go back to school if you if you want to go the – the business route, um, you know, talk to this person, he would connect me with somebody else or, Hey, consider this. And also gave me the confidence that like, Hey, don't worry about that degree. College undergrad, especially is just to prove that you can start something and finish it and live up to standards and, and, uh, you know, get your work done on time. It's less about what the, nobody leaves their undergrad degree in a, you know, a specialist in anything that, that their degree might say that they're a specialist in. It's just not true. So that gave Farewell. me a little bit more, <laughs> it gave me a little bit of 
of, uh, I guess, hope that that wasn't going to set me back. I didn't want to go the business. The other, the other aspect of this, Tony, is that I started a family. You know, I was on a B billet and I started to, you know, my, my wonderful wife, Shay, and I started to have children and I didn't want to, you know, be away from them for six, eight months at a time for deployments, not to mention all the training and stuff like that. Um, but that also contributed to why I didn't want to go back to school right away as far as grad school is concerned. Um, I didn't have the best GPA at the academy either. So that decision was was even easier to make that, uh, that I wasn't going to go get right into Harvard Business School or something like that. So, yeah, I took a chance and, and, and was able to uh, finagle my way into a position at Citibank um, down in Texas. And they had a great program for transitioning vets, uh, particularly uh, officer vets, and uh, gained a lot of really great experience down there. It was um, but it was something that it, I wouldn't have been able to do without my network, without talking to people and and learning from their experiences and actually taking time to actually implement some of the wisdom that they shared. Not just saying, hey, give me a, showing up with my handout and saying, give me something, give me a name, give me an opportunity. It was, uh, you know, just just tell me about your experience and maybe I can take something from that and implement it in my own life and my own career path, my own journey here. And, um, luckily I was able to do that. You know, Ryan was one of the main guys, but there was a ton of other guys that I really looked up to. Again, my, my old battalion commander, Matt Good, uh, Andrew Thompson, uh, just a, just a, a great man, a great man that, uh, that I really look up to and provided a lot of wisdom to me about, about life in general, as a father, as a human being, as a, as somebody trying to make the transition. And ultimately I, I found a lot of uh, confidence in myself to be able to make that transition and, and took the leap and, and moved my family down to Texas to start my civilian career. Nice. So you did that time with city. Where are you at today? Yeah. In Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, down here on the Southeastern coast. I, 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 you know, now that, and maybe this is part of me. It's like, I always just kind of have like a goal in mind. And if, if I can make it as easy as myself as possible, just focus on one thing I can get there. I ultimately want, I wanted to get into sales. Um, you know, I was working in financial services. I wasn't really a banker. I was more of a back office operational guy uh, at city. I mean, process engineering, operational risk management, things like that, but just learning, you know, this is all stuff that was brand new to me, but I still had the itch to, to sell um, something about my time as a, as an officer recruiter, you know, I figured I, my thought was I was going into some great colleges and seeking Marine officers. So I was going into the, the University of Virginia, for instance, one of the top uh, top universities in the U.S. And, you know, talking with students that <laughs> they really could do whatever they wanted in life, that were well connected, very smart, very capable people. If I could convince them to forego the dozens of opportunities that were going to be afforded to them after graduation um, and, and change that out for going and sleeping in the woods for days on end and getting wet and tired and dirty and hungry and, and potentially going overseas and, and being in a dangerous situation. If I could convince one of them to do that, I could probably sell something. I could probably sell something to somebody. So I wanted to sell it. I like talking to people. I don't really have any like hard business skills that I can offer somebody, but I, I can, I can talk to people and have a conversation. So I wanted to go the sales route and, um, and I found through again, networking and, and, uh, and talking to people about this little company called Encino down here in, uh, in Southeastern North Carolina. And they were doing some really cool things and, and, uh, were really appealing to me, 
had some, you know, there's, there's uh, members of the brotherhood that are, that are part of the, the leadership structure here at the company. And, um, and yeah, I was, I uh, talked to them and a couple months later, fast forward, I was, uh, you know, I, I got an opportunity to, to apply for a job. They took a chance on me and that was that, uh, moved over here to North Carolina and this is where we're growing roots, man. It's, uh, it's been everything I could ask for. And then some, I really enjoy it. Nice. What's, uh, what's the best part about your day? I think the best part about my day is probably that and it's such a cliche, but no two, no two days are the same. Every day is different. And that's really true though. When you're, when you're in, in, in sales, because in, in our, our organization is a little bit different than, than some others as well. And the fact that we, we take value, we take tremendous value. And, and a lot of companies do this, of course, take value in taking care of their customers after the sale, you know? So, but you know, a lot of them will, will do that, or at least they say they do, but we take it to the point where, even though I, as the sales rep, have have you know helped form the initial partnership between this uh, between our organization and theirs, uh, you know we don't let it stop there. We 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 take it a step further, and and we don't just say, "All right, thanks for the partnership, ink the deal, and and say bye and turn the keys over to somebody else." We we stay on long term and take care of our people. Um, so yeah. I say all that because you know a lot of my day is is dealing with our current customers and talking about their needs and, you know, challenges they're having, successes that they're having, just making sure everything is running the way they expect it to, talking about their long-term strategic goals and how we can help them get there. Um, and then the other side of that is, of course, trying to gain new partnerships and, and find new people to bring into the fold. And, and, um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of my day is, is uh, taking various calls, whether it's a very technical-natured call where we're talking about software the whole time or, you know, working out the terms of a partnership agreement, um, you know, and everything in between um, and, and, and talking about needs uh, of, of somebody that's just getting introduced to us and like, hey, what are your challenges today? And, and finding a way to to make it worth their time to have a next conversation with me. Um, so, yeah, that's it's, that's the greatest part about this role is that, I, you know, I don't ever have to get bored with what I'm doing. I always wake up and have something fresh um, in front of me. Awesome. I think that's pretty important. Um, cool. Anything else in the career you want to talk about before I start um, hitting you with a few questions? No, man. It's uh, I'm loving life right now. I've, I work for a, a tremendous co uh, company here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have landed where I am. Um, I would just say that to anybody that's listening, that's that's kind of going through the similar track that you and I went through, is just a network your tail off and talk with people and learn, learn from people because I wouldn't have been here um, at the, the fortunate position that I'm at had I not been able to lean on so many other great individuals. I work with a ton of great people, people that are better than me, people that work, you know, that are, that are work just as hard as me, but are just more confident, smarter. Um, they're just really great people. And, and being able to surround myself with that type of people makes me want to be a better person, makes me want to be a better uh, contributor to the organization. Um, and the same thing was the same thing applied at the academy. Same thing applied in the Marine Corps. If you can surround yourself with good people and recognize that there are good people around you and try to gain something from them, um, don't take, but, you know, try to gain something from them in a way that's, uh, you know, reciprocal in a way. Uh, it's it's going to really pay dividends when, when. in the long run. That's right. One That's for right. sales, right? That's right, man. Yeah. No doubt. All right. I'm going to take you back to sure. uh, Navy football. Do you have a good coach story? You know, I always try and ask that question. 
God, I've got so many good coach stories. Um, my my position coach was was Dale Pearson. Um, yeah, hey, and help me get him on here too. Yeah, I'll give it a shot, man. I'll give it a shot. To talk to Dale. Yeah, he's probably loving retirement right now, and God bless him for it. He's certainly earned it. Um, but but yeah, yeah I, uh, so yeah, for sure, and and very influential in my time uh, at the at the academy. Another guy that just took a chance on me, just because you know this scrawny kid that just was a tryhard. Um, but, but anyway, um, so many great stories from coach Pearson over the years. Uh, but one that immediately stood out to me when you, uh, when you asked me the question was the Hawaii game, um, your senior year, my junior mm. year. Ouch. Yeah. Heartbreaker, man. Heartbreaker of a game, a trap game. If you ask me, they sent us out there to this beautiful Island to yeah. enjoy ourselves. And, a week season, before. and that was one of the two. That's right, man. Gosh, that was a heartbreaker. But anyway, um, I had the leading up to that game, um, you know, sophomore through senior year, I took pride in the fact that I never missed a game ever. Um, uh, you know, I was, I started a couple games sophomore and junior year. I was a full-time starter on defense my senior year, but I never missed a game on special teams or whatever. I was always on the field period. And, uh, <laughs> and, but that game leading up to it, it was raining the whole week, whatever. I ended up with like the flu or something really horrible uh sick just really hard i'd never missed practice or anything but they tried to keep me aside probably just for contagious reasons and things like that but uh i was you know i was going through it um but still put in my time they told me after the last practice before i remember what day it is because we had a weird travel schedule for that game well, whatever day it was i feel like it was like the day before thanksgiving or something that was the thanksgiving game um they pulled me aside and said hey you're not going to make the trip. You're, you're sick. You're out. And, um, you weren't going to take it. And I was crushed, heartbroken. Um, and went back to my room, to sulk, everybody else is getting on the plane and, and heading out to go, go to war. And, um, and I was left behind, um, not going to contribute, not going to be there. And also, I mean, hell it's Hawaii too. I would, I wouldn't have mind to go to Hawaii as well. So that was, that was yeah. probably contributing to That's it as probably well. That's lost just because Billy didn't. Dude. You're not, <laughs> I made the trip, so I'll get there. I'll okay, get there. So, yeah. So, uh, anyway, he calls me or yeah, he called me up later that night. Everybody else is already gone. He's like, all right, you want to go, you can make the trip and we're going to, we're going to fly you out separately. So, uh, he had his son, coach Pearson's son, uh, pick me up at like, you know, four in the morning or something the next day, drove out, dro dropped me at the airport. I flew commercial over there, middle seat the whole way, just sick as a dog, trying to make it through this forever flight or a couple of flights to get there and uh, still get there. I'm going through it, but I'm strapping it up. We're fast forward to the game and I have a terrible time trying to make it through just conditioning to get myself ready to go. I was on the field. I was rotating in with Nishak and some of the other guys there. And Coach Pearson ripped me apart at halftime, just ripped me apart, basically called me out for just being the softest, softest guy that's on the field and playing patty cake with the offensive linemen. And uh, and here I am in my head, like I have, you know, probably a 102 fever dying, just sick. But it didn't matter. I was there. I was on the I was if I'm going to be on the field, it didn't yeah. matter. You're, you're expected to perform. And I, I, I was so pissed at the time. Went back in the second half, and I was just a, you know, tried to play like a wild man, and was was just overexerting myself, and was so mad at him at the time. But I look back, it was like, hey, look, the expectation is, and what the lesson I learned from that is that it doesn't matter. 
if you don't feel good, you're still expected to to put out for uh, for your teammates and for the organization and at that that organization being the football team at that time and and uh, we, no excuses. You know, I don't yep. care if you don't feel good. Suck it no up. Sick days. And, and, and yeah, no sick days, man. Get it done. And um, I always remember that, and I appreciate that out of Coach Pearson to this day. Is like that was a crucial learning point for me. Awesome, cool. Um, you already mentioned a uh, a mentor in Matt Good. Yeah. Uh, any others? Drew Thompson, like I said, just a, a just a great man, great Marine. Um, great mentor, great family man, great father, great husband. Um, there's, there's so much that I've taken from him over the years. Um, great, you know, contributor to Navy football. He was a hell of a player, um, came back and served with us, uh, as the O rep at one time and, and did a great job there as well. Um, and that's where I was able to cross paths with him. Um, I mentioned Ryan Hamilton as well and Matt Good. But in addition to Ryan Hamilton, the guy that came after him, Bryce McDonald. I mean, I think everybody yes. that was ever around Bryce McDonald would would call him a mentor or somebody that they aspire to be like. You talk about like the coming soon. The, oh God, that's gonna be awesome. I can't wait for that one. But the guy that's uh that can say six words and it just it it means more than the thousand words that I could spit out in a day. Um, the guy that spoke when it when when words needed to be spoken, not just to hear himself talk. Um, hard nosed, tough, tough guy. You know, never made an excuse. I mean, Bryce, I won't spoil his story if you're going to have him on here to talk about it. But the guy that would um, that had every reason to complain and give up, but did not, and never would. He would never uh, never show on his face that that he was having a hard time with anything. And um, it didn't Damn matter. Right. He would always just the guy to put his head down and grind and get it done. And and that made all of us around him want to be better and want to be better men, wanted to be better Marines or sailors if you went that route. And um, it just meant a lot to me to be able to spend some time around a guy like Bryce McDonald um, and learn from him. And uh, and yeah, so those are those are four guys that I think came to mind for me when I was thinking about mentors, uh, Ryan Hamilton, Bryce McDonald. Uh, Drew Thompson and, and Matt Good, those guys. What's your biggest struggle today? Biggest struggle today? It's a good question. I think um, probably trying to be satisfied in uh, in my day to day life, um, and and feel like I've you know, kind of accomplish something at a certain point, I always kind of feel like I'm still tracing something. I still have a hill to climb. And that's important to feel that way. I think you should always be striving to, to get better and, and, and crest the next hill and find the next challenge. But what I struggle with sometimes is like, Hey, taking a, taking a step back and zoom out a little bit and say, Hey, you know, things have worked out. You know, you've, uh, you've got a great family, you've got a good job, you've got a roof over your head and, um, to be satisfied with, uh, with what I've got, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I spend some time in prayer thinking about that is like, Hey, I don't have to be so dissatisfied with, uh, with what's in front of me and always looking for the next thing. It's, uh, it's okay to kind of feel fulfilled in your life with, uh, with what you've got. And I'm very thankful that I have a lot of blessings in my life with my family, with my, my three wonderful children and my wife and a, and a great job, like I said, and a great circle of friends and, a, um, uh, my, my mother and my two brothers and, um, 
you know, and it's, I just got a lot in front of me. So I, it's for me, it's making sure that I, that I take time to find perspective that, um, that things have, have gone the way that they have. Awesome. If you could go back and tell young Billy to do something different, what would that be? Probably not give John Cabbage such a hard time. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I think that just uh, have a little bit more patience for, for people. Um, I'm, I'm a type of person that, you know, I think the expression is I don't suffer fools well. So I expect, you know, if I've got this, this uh, mentality that, you know, I'm going to kind of go 110 miles an hour at all times. Um, I forget that not everybody shares that mentality, especially on this side of the fence, outside of the military, outside of athletics. Um, to have a little bit more, yeah, have a little bit more patience for people and, and, and understand that not my priorities aren't always their priorities and, uh, try to view things out of other people's eyes is what I would tell a young Billy and not so be so focused on what you know, the job that I have in front of me or the, uh, and I, I singled out John Cabbage. I used to give him a real hard time, not really in that regard, but just, uh, he's just somebody that, that, that lends himself to be poked fun at. Uh, and, uh, but the good thing about John is that he's takes it all in stride and give it right back to you all the time. So you have to talk to him at some point too. Absolutely. Awesome. Lots of, uh, sham wows in this one. Um, awesome talk, man. Um, last one is what's your price of admission? Yeah, man. I thought about this, uh, for a long time for me, it's, uh, the phrase that comes to mind for me is, is fine work. Um, and, and, and what that means to me is you may not always be in the position to contribute the way that you want to be contributing, whether that's in your job, on a sports field, in your, I don't know, in your family, in your house, whatever, you may not find yourself in the position that you want to be in all the time, but you can always find work. You can always find a way to get better. You can always find a way to contribute in other ways, uh, to help somebody else out, um, and I think that's important to to recognize is that you can you can sit and sulk at a, at a certain situation and kind of blame the circumstances and blame life, or you can find opportunities, find work. Um, an example of that for me, and you know, I probably annoyed guys back in the day uh, during end of practice conditioning. Um, you know, I would we'd always have the sprints that we'd have to do, or even gassers or hashes on Mondays. Um, I took pride in in winning those every single time. Um, and, and that was my way of finding work because when I was a freshman as a plebe, I'm not seeing the field. No, you know, it's rare. I won't say no plebe see the field because we definitely had some studs that made the field as freshmen. Um, but it's rare, you know, a lot of the times the freshmen are not seeing the field, but, and that ate me up that I wasn't the guy I wasn't on the field. I wasn't contributing on special teams or defense at that time, but I was going to find some way to work. Um, it was always going 110% in the, in the drills on the scout team at the time. And also those conditioning at the end. Um, I never wanted to be the guy in the back. I wanted it to drive people crazy that I was out there in front of them, um, winning every sprint at the end of every practice. Um, and that was a way for one, me to get better, just to work on my conditioning, but also to help my teammates hopefully get better as well. Um, and, yeah, and, raising and it the did. Bar. Yeah, man, it, it did. And I, I think it also brewed a little competition. You got guys like Artie Pauls when I was a freshman would, would, uh, he's, you know, one of the fastest D linemen that we had at the time, but he would always be the one that was right there neck and neck with me and oftentimes beat me. Book out was the same way, ended up being pretty quick. Um, 
But I took pride in the fact that like, hey, I'm going to find a way to make this team better. I'm going to find a way to make myself better as well and, um, and, and contribute. And I think the same thing applies, um, you know, in life kind of across the board with, um, with your career path. Like, hey, um, you know, you might be stuck in a situation or you feel that you're stuck in a situation that you're not able to contribute the way that you want to. But find a way to get better. You can find time to network with somebody. You can find time to to read. You can find time to uh, uh, to do you know do any number of things to kind of to contribute to your own uh, professional development and um, you know your own kind of mental capacity to actually get the job done when you are afforded the opportunity. So it's just super important for me to always find work, and that's something that's uh, that's uh, that came to mind to me when I was thinking about uh, price commission. Awesome. Well, good stuff, man. Um, thanks, Shay, for your time tonight. Right? And the yeah, three kiddos, right? You yeah, they're got, uh, definitely got your head, hands full. Yeah, I certainly do, man. And uh, bedtime, is, uh, as any father or any parent can can sure attest to, is uh, is is a wild time. So right now, I'm 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 seeing them in the background now, kind of getting wrapped up for that time of the day. But yeah, I will. This has been it's been great, man. I really enjoyed doing it. I'm glad we found the time to do it. And um, absolutely, I think you're doing a great thing. And this is uh, this is awesome. So hope you keep it rolling. If you look at you better be bold. All right, man. I'm here to let everyone know. Let's go. Awesome. Every day is a battle. I grab your artillery. You cannot mess with a caliber. I've been filled with the spirit. I know his appearance is coming. I don't need a calendar. Took my hand off the wheel when I let him take over. I'm better in life as a passenger. If the devil assembles his demons, I promise you I'm going to leave it a massacre. I can't take credit. I'm shame it. To the core, I don't need the fame. Got a whole lot more. There's a whole lot I can say about it. I'm going to keep it moving. I ain't even going to strike that chord from the bottom of the map. Raised up right, yes sir, no ma'am If you don't eat what's on your plate Then you better not touch what's in that pan From the bottom of the map Stand for the flag with a hat in my hand Thank God for the ones who sacrificed their life Just live in this land From the bottom of the map Open up your mind, just be careful of what you put in it Cause that is important Open up your word, put it in your heart Pray about it and really absorb it You will find fulfillment when you drink from the fountain I promise you, he is your portion I ain't selling away from my purpose And heir to the heavenly fortune huh? you That'll make you lose service Work every day, gotta do it for the family If it try to hurt them, they gon' hit me with a bounty Praying for a house on a farm in the county Peace in the Lord, God rest, I'm lounging I don't care the fitness, so don't put me in the box God's way ain't been a lane with the dirt and the rock One day God changed, giving glory to my pops Keep it moving till he calls me, I'm never gonna stop Pray hard for the runaways and come home Be forgiven when you surrender Everybody knows that I lack patience You knew that and you were still gracious It's amazing Back in the day I wouldn't take it You can say I was sleeping and I had to be awakened I woke up and I found my purpose You're the only reason that I made it Made it. in my worst times you never gave up on me You had a plan for my life Oh, that's why I believe Even in my worst times When I was broken down You could've left me right there But you just stayed around Even in my worst times You never gave up on me You had a plan for my life Oh, pass away my old life My old life can pass away I'm moving forward, ain't no way I'll turn around 
Oh, pass away my whole life. My whole life can pass away. Every day you get a new beginning. You can take your past and put it all behind. New mercy to living with a purpose. You gotta push forward because you can't rewind. Uh, take the time and get close, draw near. Bring the peace and take away my fear, Lord. Fight against those who fight against me because I'm all out of patience just so that we're clear. There's wolves in the fence and snakes in the grass. They envy your drive. They hope that you crash. You're dealing with pride. They hate to be last, but I've been there too. So I understand we all fall short in the middle of it all. Some days we slip and disconnect the call. I know that you're breaking me down just to build me back up. I'm here for it all. It's been a long road and here I lay it down. Lay it down. Oh, pass away my whole life. My whole life can pass away. I'm moving forward. Ain't no way I'll turn around. Turn around. Oh, pass away my whole life. My whole life can pass away. I was a dead man walking. You can put the nails in the coffin. I don't want to dig it up again from the old to the new, from the lies to the truth. I don't want to go back. I don't want to fit in. Lord, help me. I'm fit to death. It's hard to maintain when the world is crazy. I'm trying to be strong for my wife and kids. It's Life and the word running through these pages Believe in your promises, trust and admonish it On the other side is victory waiting We are called to come out of the darkness And light up the world with the truth that will overcome Got a fire inside of my soul I cannot be held down, I would never be overrun In Christ I'm a new creation The past is gone, it's been buried deep I've been resurrected, ain't going back The old man's been put to sleep It's been a long road and here I live Another meal with rice and beans Another cup of soup If you know, if you know, then you know If you don't, then you Take sacrifice and humility and prioritizing what really matters The understanding nobody's perfect, we're all flawed and got bad habits We grow together, we'll never quit, even when the odds have been stacked against us The world will tell you if it don't work out, throw in the towel, find another missus Nah, we don't follow the world, we follow Christ We don't live in darkness, we carry light, we don't listen to lies well, you've exhausted every option And got nothing left to I know where to start I've been fucked I've been torn apart But I trust God's work of art I praise the fire Cause the rest of here today And when you broke down, worn out Beside that road Look at the tread and it's wearing thin There's a place that I know all too well Where you'll find rest again Well, you've exhausted every option And got nothing left to give There's a place that I know all too well Where you'll find rest again when you broke down, worn out, beside that room, look at the tree. Address some issues that I'm saying, you know? You go and talk to him one time. We had to reload, tell me why. We got a question for you. Hey. Oh. Somebody tell me why. Every time I look around, people are hurting and they need a little hope to get them through. Somebody tell me why. Kids today are growing up without a purpose. When they look around, they don't know what to do. Somebody tell me why. I can't even turn the television on because I can't stand somebody lying in the news. Why? Everything had changed It's a far cry from what I used to know back in the day You see my grandpa told me Son, if you work hard then you get paid But it's like every time I turn around They taking that away I took my kids out of the public